Hello all and welcome to episode 2 of Soap Countdown. My name is Jonathan, also known as SoapWikiJohn on Twitter. I will be your host on this phenomenal adventure we're going to be going on on this podcast. Each episode we'll be counting down our top 5 favorite or least favorite things relating to the soap universe. Ranging from today's subject of top 5 villains to things such as top 5 soap cliches or top 5 bedhoppers. Each episode we will be looking for your feedback, so please engage and join us and give us your list because listener feedback is just as important to the show as anything else. Joining me today from the TV Source Podcast, I have Corian at Source Corian on Twitter. Corian, how are you doing tonight? I am super pumped up. Everybody knows I love a good crazy person on a soap opera. So let's do it. Dude, and there's a, quite a few of them to choose from, so it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see who you got out on your list. Uh, also joining me today, I have Tony Ann, or T. Hey, uh, her Twitter is XO T, how's it going tonight? Going great. Awesome. All right. As I previously said, tonight we'll be counting down our top five soap villains. These are the characters we found threatening, manipulative, and kept us on our toes, wondering what they were going to do next to all of our favorites. We were fearful for their life sometimes, or maybe just wondering what they were going to do next. With that said, T, who do you happen to have at number five? My number five is Cesar Faison from General Hospital. Ooh. He will never not be creepy, but it I love scary. him. <laughs> Whether he's wearing a latex mask or he's himself, he is always creepy. Ooh. And I will always love him. He's so scary. He looks like, oh, oh my God, what was his name? Anders Hove? No, wait, yeah, well, yeah, that's the actor's, well, that's the actor's name. Right? name. Who's, who, who, oh my God, I can't remember. Uh, this is going to bother me all this entire recording. I'll figure it out by the end of it. He's like that guy who had like the big crazy eyes and then also like the frizzy hair and he was super scary. I feel like it was in the Adams oh, family. I know what you're thinking of. What uh, is that? I don't know. What is that from? It's going to bother me now too. He was this so scary. So bad. Cause yes. Oh, oh, I see it too. Was he in Adams family? Is that what that no, was? No, I don't think so. Are you, uh, it's not Beetlejuice. Oh my God. What? Oh Edward Scissorhands? No. no. Oh my God, it's right there. <laughs> and he'd be uh, like, mm, like he may, Oh my God, what was that? <laughs> That's exact. Whenever when I saw Faison for the first time, because I didn't watch GH, I started watching in like 2012, 2013. And when like he came on, I literally thought it was that guy, and I flipped out because that was like some serious childhood trauma. And then I was like, Oh my God, this guy is not him, but he's just as creepy. And it was, he's, yeah, he's definitely a villain. Like, he was just, ugh. Even now I get the shivers. Definitely spine tingling as far <laughs> as villains go. And that's the thing is, for somebody especially that we didn't see the first time around, you know, to see him come on that show and be as terrifying as right? he was. Like, just that being was there. really cool to see. And I'm excited to know that he's out there and maybe might come back at some point just to not with these writers i mean definitely not with these writers (laughs) but ouch that would at least give me a reason to watch general hospital so corian who do you have scaring us up at number five um i have a prettier face at number five (laughs) i have Kristen demera nice Kristen blake Kristen demera whatever um I chose Kristen just because 
similar to similar actually to my number one hero, Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald. If you check the first episode out, um, there's just something about her desperation that's just very admirable. You know, like she she doesn't take no for an answer. And unfortunately, when it comes to someone telling to uh, when someone tells Kristen no, that can it, it probably ends very badly for them <laughs> because she's just she's just interesting to see. Like I think it, it's a huge part on Eileen Davidson's portrayal, who's just like magnetic on screen. But like even if you hate Kristen and you don't want her interloping with John and Marlena, you want to watch Kristen. You want to see what Kristen's doing and like what she's really thinking. And I also think it was really interesting how we saw her come onto the show and be introduced as a neutral, like a, a good character in a sense. Oh and my kind God, of she was see... so good in the beginning. Yeah. yeah, didn't she used to like work at the church or something or did like church little league or something? Yeah, like that? that's how she met John, coaching the little league team. Right, like she, is... she was an angel. And, and then, then, like, it you just, find out who her dad is, and then it was all downhill. And I think, like, it was, I I think that was, like, one of my favorite things to watch, because that was one of the the first, like, retro storylines of days that I watched. I watched um, the Pillow Baby saga going oh, into yeah. the secret room. And when I tell you, that was, like... That was, like, some fine drama, just seeing that descent. And I'm excited to see her back. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy because a year before that happened, she was helping John exercise the demon from Marlena. Yeah. And then a year later, she was batshit crazy. She went nuts and it was good. And I think I think the other good thing about it, too, is that it wasn't like the typical over the top soap opera, you know, female insanity. It was like, I don't want to say it was subtle because it absolutely wasn't subtle. It was just... It was quieter. It wasn't like she was she's very smart. She knows how to plot and she knows how to scheme and she's not going to like draw attention to herself um, while she does these things. And I always thought that was a really interesting take on the character. By far, Kristen is one of the really great villains that Days had and seeing her like I didn't watch the old stuff, but watching her her last stint like Eileen is so much better in that role than yeah anything else she's done like i'm oh, yeah. sorry like she should be on days full time she should tell Wynari, you know what thanks but no thanks because i would get so much more joy out of playing a character at so many layers as Kristen than right. you know the wimply ashley abbott who just wanders after her jackie like no like you get to like literally like the church scenes where she's going or she's talking to marlena and being like he had his hands all over me like that is like amazing like terrifying yeah. like awesome psychotic stuff and i really She's, enjoyed that it won I an Emmy. yeah and it did for a reason so yep. at number five for me i have samantha jean brady my baby dude sammy is one of day's best villains <laughs> Ever. And it's all because her mom was a whore. Like, had her mom not slept with John on a damn conference table and her she not seen her going up to soap glory, 
there would have actually been a much different character. But because of that, she became this hateful, spiteful little villain, selling her sister on the black market, going oh around changing DNA tests, doing whatever it took to get austin or get lucas or do this one or that one she became a man she did the things that she <laughs> had to, to do that, that happened in order to <laughs> manipulate the situation in her favor like her she entire, got philip's like, leg blown up right like she, oh my god that's right that was her <laughs> that's a pretty messed up thing that she got involved with but the things that sammy did we still forgave her for but she is terrifying and yeah. one of the best villains that that show had partially because we don't think of her as villainous as she was partially because the last few years she was like a heroine but i'm so excited to see her come back because i feel like she's gonna have that spunk and that spite and be able to go in and be like you know what i'm coming back to town i'm gonna wreck some stuff up and i'm so here for it and then i'm leaving she's gonna just come here and then just mess it all up and then go and which is the best that's classic Sammy. That's Sammy. That is Sammy 100%. Mess everything up and then be like, alright, bye. And then she'll probably Deal come back it. a couple months later and be like, you miss me? Alright, let's do it all again. And I cannot wait. I know. Friday the 13th can't come quick enough and I did not think I'd ever say that. Right? It's it's the perfect setup. I think it was such a huge mistake like for the last few years when they just portrayed Sammy as like a stay-at-home mom. And like that's all we really got. Like, sure, she's <laughs> like sure she like schemed and did all those sorts of things but it was it it was barely sammy so I, I am also very very excited to see what she does next so who do you have at number 40 my number four is david hayward from all my children um <laughs> i was always torn between loving vincent's portrayal and hating everything david hayward see i never watched all my children what made him so bad well he wasn't bad at first but then after his brother died it was like he just spiraled out of control because i think because i from what i know of david's history all i saw was the bad guy but mm. before leo died i think he actually had some redemptive qualities to him but like he would just pull some crazy stuff like wasn't he like drug and crystal or something yeah but it was also partially because he lost Leora, too. That oh, kind yeah. That also was his turning point, was he had a daughter with uh, Anna Devane when she was in town. And oh. she lost that kid. Uh, I forget what caused that death. Um, I wasn't watching then, so I'm not sure. But the kid died, and that helped trigger, along with the death of Leo... A now downward turn, so he kind of went into this like soap super villain role, and then kind of at the end became like the guy to save everybody. Um, and that was also partially the thing that made me root for him was the fact that he had that relationship with Kara, um, your uh, Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald when she oh, ended up right, on the show. Right, right. I completely uh, forgot they were together. That was like some things that kind of helped redeem him, but he was willing to like go and do the was it project orpheus and where he started trying to bring all the dead people back to life uh and do the things that you know to make up for his more dastardly times and didn't uh, he try to give angie back her eyesight too yeah with the glaucoma um it was just <laughs> a, a whole mess there at the end uh, we can skip that but 
David was somebody that was probably one of all my children's better villains at the end. Like I, his whole thing with either white or black Randy, I can't remember which one. Uh, and he was like manipulating <laughs> the scenes and dealing with her hooker past. Like he was one of these characters that I would say I was actually kind of terrified of. And I, I would like that end of a soap villain. Interesting. Coran, who's who's scaring you up at number four? Uh, I kind of wanted this this character to be a little higher, but um, I feel like my other uh, the three that you know follow after are a little just a mo- little more villainous. But uh, the character that I have at number four is also from Passions, my favorite soap opera. It is Vincent Clarkson, the blackmailer. Um, <laughs> that okay? Listen. Uh, yeah, defend it. Come on. The storyline was offensive. Yes, <laughs> tremendously it was, so. It was insane. It was. It was. It was just completely off the wall. But the blackmailer was fearsome. Everybody You're in town wrong. was afraid of the blackmailer, and he literally had Harmony shook. He knew everything about everyone, and he also like he held no qualms about going after anyone at all. Like he literally raped half of his entire family it's and like true. set yeah yeah like his sisters father everyone um, brother yep uh-huh um you know set people's homes on fire like just literally went after everyone for this single goal of revenge because he felt abandoned as a child you know which he, which he was abandoned as a child my mistake but um like i thought that like that alone like i never like, you see villains come onto a lot of soap operas now, and, you know, they affect certain characters, but the blackmailer literally changed the entire canvas, and he really had the entire town talking and, and fearful, which is what, you know, a villain should do in these kind of shows. 100%. Like, I, I, that, you defended it well. I now appreciate your choice, because <laughs> I hated that story. I hated everything about... It was so crazy. It, it was crazy, and I think my problem is like it felt kind of. I'm thinking of the story. I'm not thinking of the character because right. the character of the blackmailer, as you described it, crazy, insane, literally scared everything and shook that town to its core. And you're right. That's why that character deserved it. The story was a mess, like an offensive, uh-huh. terrible, poorly put together mess. When you sit and think about it, but like his outfit. Yeah, exactly like his <laughs> outfit. And you know what? I, I appreciate that thought. So I, I accept your number four. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So number four for me, I'm going with Young and the Restless's Phyllis Summers. Ah, She's on. a woman that would literally do whatever she needed to to scheme her way to the top. That meant manipulating people, sleeping with people backstabbing people, killing people, drugging people, having their uh, therapist tell them lies. Like, Phyllis would do whatever it took, and that's awesome because especially when, you know, we had – what's her face? I'm going to totally edit that out. Okay, when we had Michelle Stafford in the role, Michelle Stafford (laughs) used her her sex appeal – 
to not as a crutch. It wasn't something she was ashamed of. She would literally use that to get these men into bed and then right. would be proud of the fact. Like she was a modern, in my opinion, answer to Joan Collins's uh, Alexis on Dynasty. She would do kind of what she needed to in order to that. manipulate the cast and I liked that. Now, does she have her weaker moments? Does she have, you know, the whole part where she was Sheila Carter and, you know, kind of a little bit of a mess? Yeah, of course. But, I mean, her manipulation of from Danny Romilotti back in the day all the way up to Nick Newman and now the way she's fought with Jack and Billy. Like, at her core, she is somebody that – will scheme and do what she has to to manipulate this town and maybe not do it in a way to terrorize people, but she can literally, like, be a villain in every story, and I really enjoy that and enjoy both Michelle Stafford and Gina Tonioni's performances in the role. We're not going to talk about that one that was there for a minute because uh, she really doesn't count. Uh, I didn't even know if there was another that. one. Yeah. Me either. Uh, Sandra it's okay. Nelson, uh, she was there for like two years. Nobody remembers her, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, with that said, who do we have at number three for you, T? My number three is Victor Kiriakis from Days of Our Lives, mm. and not so much mm. for what he is now, but OG Victor, like, back in the 80s, was, like... A mess. Oh, my God. He was so bad. He let his own son sit in jail, knowing he was innocent, waiting for Caroline to beg for his help to get him out. Ouch. I th- I always was, like, kind of creeped out about his, like, obsession with, with Justin and, like, Justin's love life. That was always kind of creepy. And, like, the lengths that he would go to to, <laughs> to sort of, like set that up yeah i mean they pay, they play him more for comedic now but like old school victor was so twisted yeah because he would do anything and he was really honestly a little bit more fearful than some other villains the show had like he would go after dragon jennifer Stephen kayla like he didn't mess around and, and you really didn't want to get on the wrong side of victor kiriakis and i Steve think it worked for him too which is weird right I think I think the the reason why he was like a little more fearsome is because like in an era where a lot of the soap opera villains were like a little more comical, like he did like the outlandish crazy things, but like he was just like he was very like nonchalant about it and like chill about it. Like, yeah. Like Oh yeah, he so totally what? didn't care. Right. Very cool. So Koran, who do you got at number three? Uh I have dun dun dun. The one and only Vivian Alamein. Uh, she is like she's just a, a badass. Like Vivian Alamein is just. I was I was rewatching a few scenes um, when it was announced that uh, Louise is coming back to the show. I was just watching a few scenes of when she buried Carly alive, and there was this one scene where she first. Um, put the coffin in the ground and she literally jumped into the dirt and started rolling around oh. and laughing. Yeah. And like, she was so oh happy God. about it. I have like, to go look it that was, up. It was, it was, it was absolutely insane. And she, she pulled it off. 
she was in, I think this was after she literally like killed a number of Carly's patients. Like Vivian has no qualms at all. Like even towards the end of like her first run where she kind of became like comedic relief, she was still doing crazy stuff. Like stealing Philip and like, Putting, oh putting that embryo into her into her womb and like doing all of these other like Vivian does not care about anyone else other than Vivian and then whoever she cares about like at that moment whoever is like useful to her and I'm so excited to see like what she does next and how Ron writes for her because like even though I she's, cannot she's wait hilarious like she's hilarious but she's dangerous like she is she is a villain I'm so excited, and I think I remember that scene, or I remember another scene with Vivian burying Carly alive, where she was just like laying on the grave and just like yeah. kind of talking to her and just like stroking it and just being like, you just know what? loving it. This is what you deserve, and just laughing. And I love that because she didn't care. She was right. completely and utterly insane, and that's amazing. And we don't get and same with us. Like that. Like, Same I with us. We hated that. Carly too. Oh yeah, more so <laughs> now than ever. But did anybody actually like Carly back then? Uh, I'm sure there's someone out there. Robert Kirkgelly, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. No, not so much. All right. So at number three for me, I had my first soap villain I ever saw, Alistair Crane. Dude. <gasps> Ah! Alistair was a mess. So I started watching uh, Passions in 2005-6 with the uh-huh. uh, whole going to Rome story. And this man was acting as a monk. I'm pretty sure he had a mask. <laughs> and he was yes. acting as a monk. And he was manipulating Whitney into like literally beating herself. She was giving herself lashes to like atone for the fact that she was having lustful feelings for her brother. Okay, yeah, that was kind of messed up being a nun. Ew. But assumed brother. Maybe I don't even know how that ended up. But the thing was, he was terrifying because he didn't care. And then uh-huh. he was going after that chalice to get God's power in order to be the like roaming like leader of the free world and. In doing so, he was also manipulating Teresa and getting the entirety of, like, the Passions crew to come to Rome, of all places. Like, he manipulated everybody. He caused the death of his uh, daughter, Beth. He kidnapped his um, grandson. He would manipulate his family through and through, time after time. And didn't care. He would sacrifice. Didn't he kill Fox at the end? I believe so. He would literally kill anybody on the show without remorse. And that's crazy because most of villains, they have their lines. They have these things that they won't, like, pass. And honestly, for Alistair, I don't think there was anything he wouldn't do. He would literally, (laughs) like sell your soul to the devil if it meant that he got something. And that's why, for me, he gets the number three spot on my list. Very, very, very true. That is definitely Alistair. (laughs) 100%. All right, T. Who do you got for us at number two? My number two is Orpheus from Days of Our Lives. Ooh. Ooh. I loved his original... 
his original run in the 80s when I watched it on YouTube. Like, he was so dark and twisted and malevolent. I loved it. And then when he came back last year, he was exactly the same. And that was the one thing Dina Higley got right in her entire run of the show. Yeah, she was great. (laughs) Good point. I'm sorry. I refuse to give Dina Higley. Dina Higley, ooh. (laughs) <laughs> Whatever, I'm not gonna get on that, but I'm pretty sure she's my number one soap villain uh, of all time. But Ouch. we're not actually. I'm going with fictional characters here and not real, because that'd be a whole <laughs> different list. Which we have to do at some point. Probably. All right, Corian, who do you got for us at number two? All right, for my number two, um, I have Sheila Carter. Ooh. Um. I'm not exactly sure what she's up to now since I physically Nothing. cannot watch Bold and the Beautiful because it pains me. Um, but some of my, my earliest soap memories are always going to be watching CBS soap operas with my grandma. And like the Reva Shane clone story was one of the first stories that I remember following. And Sheila Carter is, Carter is one of the first characters that I, I distinctly remember because my grandmother hated her. My grandmother loved to hate Brooke, Brooke Logan. Um, like that was like that was like her. That was my grandma's frenemy. But Sheila, my grandma hated Sheila, and Sheila was just she is just so unhinged. Like she's like at a different level than most other soap opera villains. Like it's just like she's escaped multiple mental institutions. Like, she's, like, the amount of people that she's drugged and just, like, she, like, threatened to poison babies and, like, she would, she poison, like, old lady Stephanie Forrester. Like, she did not care at all. Like, if she got what she wanted, then, like, then she was fine. But, like, until then, like, literally everybody had to watch out. I think at some point she was, like, the, like, she was, like, the ruler, like, the leader of a militia in, like, some foreign country. Like, so, like, she, she's, I, I can't even put into words exactly what Sheila Carter is. Like, she's evil. She's evil. That's what she is. And I love it. And it's so sad to see what she's become this time. Because there's been such, there was such hype built around the return of Sheila Carter. And fans right. wanted it for, what, a decade now? Like, we've been wanting, like, Sheila Carter to return to one of the Bell Soaps. And, like, wreak havoc. And to see her return to B&B, and I know you said you haven't watched, but literally her entire story this time has been, I want to see Ridge Forrester and Quinn kiss so then I can get Eric back. Why does Sheila Carter, like the woman who would manipulate and destroy everybody and kill anything in their way, like all she does is cat fights with Quinn and then she's trying to manipulate the situation so she gets to see some heavy petting between Ridge and Quinn. Not like anything bad. Like we don't get to see like them sleep together. Just a little bit of like a kiss so that she knows there's like a possibility that that she can break her and Eric up. This is like not Sheila Carter and it this is this Sheila Carter is the woman who killed a man by releasing bees into yes. his apartment. And she, Sheila like, Carter does not care she, <laughs> about she this She would little manipulate thing. everything. What, her whole entire, like, thing with Scotty, like, 
the way that she would manipulate Lauren. Like, yep. that, I think that's the problem is they're thinking too small scale with Sheila Carter right now. And, and she is not She's small not scale. a small scale character. She's not like a Quinn. She's not like a Stephanie. She is literally this crazy psycho that is terrifying and should send, you know, shivers down her spine. And I don't think that's what we're getting this time around. And that makes me sad. Yep. All right. And number two for me, somebody that sent shivers down my spine was Todd Manning. One life to live. Todd was really one of my reasons for watching One Life. So I started watching One Life around Ace's funeral and at the same time was a little thing called a custody battle between Todd and Marcy over his rape baby. And it was one of the most terrifying things because Marcy had fallen in love with this kid and Todd was like, sorry, he's my child and I'm taking him. And he was damn bound and determined to do it and then watching the way that he would then react like he cared about his family through and through but he would throw your little pregnant self down a flight of stairs if oh, it meant I hated that, that it was what it was and yeah there's things damn. that people hated but like he literally like kidnapped his rape victim and like manipulated her for about six months oh. and like wooed her back into love and and there's this like th- he would do these dastardly manipulative things and yes part of that could be now retconned as victor lord jr but <laughs> that's just part of the soap fact that todd manning was a rapist was this villain and always defined by those things yes he tried to redeem himself in later years and yeah he tried to overcome those but he was not afraid to scheme he was not afraid to manipulate and do the things that you had to do to get where you needed to go and that's why he was probably one of the best villains that i saw early on in my days watching one left to live that brings us to number one who do you got for us at number one t Okay, well, I'm going to, before I say my pick, I'm going to venture a guess and say we might all actually have the same. Can I tell you, one? I, I was thinking the exact same thing just now. So, I don't Wait. think so. Because mine is a wild card, but I do know who you guys are going with, I can assume. And I, I he was almost there. What letter does yours start with, T? <laughs> mine starts with the letter S. Okay, same. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, mine is... Stefano Demera from Days of Our Lives. Woo! Because there is no greater villain for me in all the soaps that I've seen, which are only the ABC ones and Days, than Stefano Demera. I, I agree. I agree. hated everything he did, but I loved him. I think uh, Stefano Demera is my number one pick, too. Spoiler. Um,. What, you know, I think I think the reason why I chose him, too, is because I think no matter how convoluted sometimes it could be, I feel like Days always really did a good job at making every road lead back to Stefano. Because Even it, if they didn't originally. Right. They all because it, turned. It, it made sense because you'd be like, OK, Stefano brainwashed her. Sure. That's true. Yeah. He put a microchip in her tooth. Yeah. That's 
that's fucking Stefano. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it made sense. And I think he was I think he's just literally just like the the ultimate. Like he was like omnipotent. He was, you know, like omnipresent. Um it was it's Alistair Crane was like really similar to that. Like John was mentioning before, like he was in like every single pot at all the time. And like, but where Alistair Crane was like, he didn't value family so much as he valued status. Like he, if you were in his family, like he could run you over tomorrow and like, he'd be cool as long as he still had his fortune. Stefano was very like family driven, which I oh, think absolutely. is why a he lot sw- of people. Right. He switched to baby for his daughter. Right. Exactly. Like he had a lot of times like his schemes were for his family. Like he did things to protect his family and he didn't care about who, you know, who got in the way. And I think that's why a lot of soap opera fans really resonated with him. Like even when he would do these awful things, it was kind of because like, because that's what soap operas are about. Like we watch to see these families and these people and these characters, you know, come together and and Stefano was, you know, he wanted to protect that. He wanted to protect his own family. He just did some really, really bad things to do so. <laughs> I totally agree. And that's why, like, I struggled putting him on the list and took him off because at the end of the day, I kind of had a feeling with you two on here that that was going to be your number one. Uh, <laughs> so I just, I had a feeling that Stefano because of his presence, because of his tenure, because of his ability to be the phoenix who would always come back and manipulate the situation with the scenes. And you just, you knew when Stefano was coming to town, stuff was about to go down. And that was so cool. And now the fact that Stefano is out there lingering and always being able to manipulate things from behind the scene, I'm really excited to see what Ron does with that knowledge because I feel like we're in for a fun ride with Stefano maybe out there, you know, manipulating things every couple of months and just giving us some interesting, you know, twists and turns. I just don't ever want him recast. I don't ever want him recast. Nah, they could never. I don't think we're going to see Stefano recast. But we'd I probably get we like a body double or something. A body okay. double from behind and then maybe have, you know, the some, hand with the ring. The hand with the ring, and then maybe you know get like letters from Stefano, and you know things where you just kind of maybe see some splices of old tape, you know, right. manipulating it. But I don't think Stefano, the character's going anywhere until we get some like crazy stories with like Stefano's mi- uh, memories on a microchip inserted into Tom Pelfrey's head. Um, oh no! Oh no! I, I that's just the way this will go. So. With that said, my number one, knowing that that was probably the way you guys were going to go, is somebody that literally his Uh scenes scare me to this day because he was just literally crazy. He did everything to everyone in this town. He was terrorizing. He came back from the dead a few times. And literally the scene where he jumped out of somebody's coffin, not his own. I know who you're doing. was one of the scariest moments and that is Mitch Lawrence from One Life to Live. 
my god. He jumped out of someone else's coffin? Yes, he did. He literally jumped out of Jared's coffin, and it made me scream. You knew he was coming back that episode. It was teased. It was promoed. We all knew it, but he jumped out of that coffin, and I jumped. It is literally one of the most terrorizing moments. And then when he manipulated Jess and, like, fried her brain, and then, like— And then tried (gasps) to sleep with her? Yes. That's who he – oh, that guy. Yeah, uh, and he's the reason yeah, that – he's scary. Yeah, no, he uh, was one of the best villains because he he gave me nightmares. Like that man would – terrorizing, and it's so crazy to think that this like crazy like scenery-chewing Roscoe Bourne is able to <laughs> like – scare me that much because i also saw him on days and i laughed be it on one life to live like he he would do it like he would literally go there and that's why i have to put him at my number one because while stefano is probably a better villain as far as like story threads and longevity and like things i did Nobody terrorized me like Roscoe Bourne did as Mitch Lawrence, and that's why he is my number one. Good point. All right. So with that said, do you guys have any uh, honorable mentions or anything you guys would like to mention here? Uh, Actually, Mitch Lawrence was my one honorable mention. I know I mentioned before we started recording that I did a quick swap, and he was who I swapped out. I swapped him out for Victor. Nice. Interesting. I think Alistair was actually one of my honorable mentions. He's so... Just because he is just awful. He's awful. I think I think also what made... I feel like Alistair was a caricature of, like, every other soap opera, like, super villain in a sense that, like, he was, he was just, like, unabashedly awful. Like, I think it was also interesting that they made him, like, he was so racist. He was, like... Homophobic. He was like homophobic, super homophobic, like a huge misogynist. Like Alistair hated everything and everyone. And I think like he's definitely an honorable mention just for the he was just the worst. (laughs) He's just absolutely the worst. There's nobody like in soaps like these guys anymore. And that's kind of sad because most of these villains that are no longer around, like they were terrible people and they were terrorizing mm-hmm. and they spoke fear to us and they drove story for years. And I kind of hope that we see a resurgence in like these actual villains and the ones that we did mention that are still around. I hope they embrace their villainy and that they become like these terrible terrorizing people that make it even higher on our list uh, in the future. So, with that said, that wraps up this edition of Soap Countdown. You can listen to me and Corian also on the TV Source podcast, where we discuss the uh, latest in entertainment and soap news. Uh, you can find that over on tvsourcemagazine.com. You can also catch up with all of us on Twitter. Uh, we have the main podcast Twitter, at Soap Countdown. You can follow T at... XO Tony Roney XO. Follow Corian at Source Corian, and you follow myself at SoapWiki John. Until next time, it's been fun. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.